0: You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. There we go. Hello. Welcome, friends on Zoom. Uh, Welcome to City Church of Long Beach. We are radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And I love to be able to say that because it's true and it's fun and it's awesome. And uh, we're just so glad you're here, uh, wherever you're coming from and whoever you're with here. we We just love that you're here this morning. And if you're on zoom then we enjoy that you're somewhere comfortable and safe and uh, enjoying your time as well uh, one of the things we do here at city church to lead off in the mornings is to pray for our kiddos because they're awesome and great so i'm gonna invite up serena back here she's gonna pray for our kiddos so please welcome up serena hi serena good morning everyone let us pray god thank you so much for bringing us all together this morning Thank you for a new day, a new week, and an opportunity—another great time—to bless our children. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. We pray that we have a good time with them today, that they have a good time with us, that they're surrounded by people who love and care for them, um, and that they can feel that and see that in every moment we are together. We pray for a good work with our kiddos, especially now that they're done with school and they're looking forward to the forward to the summer break and we just have a lot of fun adventures with them in Jesus name we have them in your hands, and we thank you for that amen. So kiddos if you're ready, you can come on out and join us. Thank you Serena all
1: right let us get situated here hi friends if you haven't if i haven't met you yet my name is brenna rubio i'm one of the co-pastors here at city church of long beach uh, and today i'm joined by our friend rebecca Martnek williams who is yes okay she's <laughs> an amazing human being first who also happens to be one of our fearless leaders here at city church she is part of our development team which in some other churches might be referred to as an elder, but that has all sorts of connotations to it. Um, Rebecca might not look like some of the people, for instance, that you have seen as elders in other churches before. It kind of connotates, white male, not yes, me, not yes. Me?
2: Okay. <laughs> those sorts
1: of things, right? <laughs> um, okay, so Rebecca, you and I get to have a conversation today, we do. which you and I generally can fill a conversation pretty well true true story true story yeah yeah as spouses might attest at 10 o'clock at night when we've been talking (laughs) on the phone for a while um so when I first invited you to come have a conversation with me kind of up front like this as a sermon Mm -hmm. how'd you feel about that uh awkward (laughs) (laughs) awkward Is that putting it a little mildly you know
2: um so I grew up in a Christian home, my father is a Baptist minister, Mm -hmm. and that is my dad's job, that is not my job. Right. Um, You know, and part of it was is that so as much as I grew up in that household. um, You know, my dad was not a perfect man, um, a recovering alcoholic addict that found Jesus Mm -hmm. and uh, also wanted to serve Jesus. But had a lot of baggage, and uh, you know, he cheated on my mom. He didn't show up for me. He didn't talk to me for ten years after I came out, and yet he has this flourishing congregation, and it seemed just really like things that didn't connect one another. Uh-huh. And so. Um, I remember when I did see him we would all go to Sunday yeah we go to church and his children needed to be paraded on the front pew and we needed to. To be there to show that he was a good guy and our family was in wreckage right, and so I think what was so nerve wracking was not only is this my father's job but I didn't want to be my dad Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to be authentic I wanted to. I always thought of preaching as those people that had somehow manipulated their congregations into believing that there was nothing wrong going on at home. And so I'm here to tell you there's a lot going on in my home, and it is not perfect. And so it just, it was a little bit nerve wracking, right, you know, Um, am I inviting you up here to pretend? No, not at all, you know. And that was what was so great about Lake City Church was like, that wasn't about that was about me and a journey that I needed to take to unpack that baggage to say, it's okay for you to do this and i'm not here telling everybody how to live their lives i'm just sharing what God has yeah. been teaching me in my own life.
1: yeah and so that journey like as I remember it actually started a couple of months ago because you would come we didn't ask you to share a story and you spoke for like three to four minutes and basically afterwards. 50% of the crowd was like Rebecca needs to preach mm-hmm. right you talked for three minutes and we were all like "Woo." um. And so that was just the general preaching conversation. Sure. And so we got to that place of okay, you can take you can take the risk. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody thinks you're perfect just because we're up. I mean, Bill and I are pure like all the time. Everybody knows. (laughs) Not perfect. Um, and then we say, oh, and by the way, we're gonna be in a series where we're talking about Second Timothy. So I said yes to you and you did not tell me the verse.
2: Okay. <laughs> so then she texted me the verse and literally within five minutes, I texted her back and said, Paul is very triggering for me. This is going to be interesting. Um, and he is, and he yeah. is right. And I yeah. sat with that and I really leaned in because I was like, why is Paul so triggering for me? Well, one of the reasons he's triggering for me is because my parents love to use all the verses about I should how I should be seen and not heard. As a way to control who I am right, the other thing that's triggering for me is I kind of think the guy is pompous like I think some of the way he talks and stuff is kind of like I I know it all and here I am and i'm just like dude get over your ego. Um, <laughs> but you know the other thing is, is that Paul reminds me of my dad right like so. The interesting thing about Paul is that Paul, too, had this radical, you know, connection and moment with Jesus, a Jesus who was dead, a Jesus who was not walking the earth, right? And so, like all of us who have had a radical connection with Jesus, same thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened to my dad, and I felt some parallels. Like, my dad was, like, spiraling in drug addiction and and alcoholism, and he found Jesus, and he found this desire to want to follow him. Paul too, right? So Paul's like a guy that comes from a Jewish household where he's got privilege and status and everything else. He has a radical encounter with a Jesus. And just because he decides that he wants to follow him doesn't mean that he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's he's green. He's, he's, he's got to unpack and deconstruct like the rest of us, And it's kind of like I say, like, when I found Jesus, it didn't mean all the wreckage of my past was not there. I still had to unpack that, right? And so I wanted to try to get to the human Paul. Like, also, I find it interesting that, you know, it's easy for us. We get all these books about his, his life and we get to pick them apart. We get to examine them we get to scrutinize them and we get to judge them right and he's not living here so we can't take him on oprah we can't Mm -hmm. you know ask him why he did what he did right and Mm -hmm. so i as i thought back on my own life i said you know if there was like a series of books in a document that was committed to once i found jesus till now would that be pretty Mm. probably not Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so this is what we're gonna be diving into today. It's gonna to be, Rebecca and I decided we wanna do this very conversationally, maybe a little bit more podcast than your traditional um, structured sermon. I don't know how traditional sermons ever are. <laughs> um, I will say, if you're newer to City Church and the way that we're talking about the Bible, the way we're talking about Paul, you're going, wait, how does this work? Um, we love the Bible here at City Church. Talk about it every Sunday. Definitely encourage people to dive in read it together read it for yourself we also feel very comfortable asking questions of the scripture we feel like god is big enough to handle our questions and god is big enough for us to admit what i think the church of the centuries has felt which is paul is complicated he's a complicated messenger and we actually think there's going to be good things for us to unpack as we just admit that honestly today so our friend Barbara Sinclair agreed Yay! to read scripture for us this morning. If you are willing and able and you'd like to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, I invite you to do that, including our friends on three Zoom. Feminists, three feminists do Paul. Three feminists do Paul. That's a great <laughs> Second Timothy three, ten, and eleven. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith patience love endurance persecutions suffering what
0: kinds of things happened to me in antioch iconium and lystra the persecutions i endured yet the lord rescued me from all of them
1: people of god this is the word of god thank you god thank you barbara (laughs) I loved that three feminists do Paul. Yeah. Remind me, there was a picture floating around on social media this week of like the feminine trinity. Um, not that I'm. Anyway, random aside. Random aside. I digress. <laughs> okay, I digress. Um, okay. So we're starting out thinking especially about Paul, and what does it do for us when we acknowledge that he's human, he's flawed, he's been used in ways that have been very hurtful. For many of us from I mean there's like the trigger passages right around sexuality uh, for those of us again feminists who Paul uh, the passages around women and gender. Um, yeah and just the general maybe kind of narcissist blowhard vibes we might get from some of his writings. Um, how do we hold that intention with. Well, he's he's complicated. So God, like, there's good stuff, yeah. And God used him to do some of that good stuff. And how how do you start there, Rebecca? Yeah. So it's
2: interesting because I, you know, you gave me the one verse, and I can never just do one verse because sure. I really needed to go down my path to unpack Paul and be like, yeah, okay. So generally speaking, we should not do just one verse, right? So I wanted to read over some of his things, and what I really found was that he is very complicated because there are a lot of times where he really leans into what Jesus is about. Number one, he spends a lot of time with the poor and the disenfranchised, right? That's not something that people of his stature would have done. You know, he has different verses that, you know, when you think there is no longer Jew nor Greek, there is no longer slave nor free, there's no longer male or female for all of us are one in Christ. I mean, that's a pretty profound um, verse, right? It, it in some ways speaks to a sense of equality, right? And then you've got these verses that don't speak to a sense of equality right and so it's like what do we do with those and I started to think about it, and I think about you know my own evolution in coming back to Jesus, you know, and I remember when I. I first met my wife and I realized that this was like I could either choose God or choose her, and I made a choice to be happy and. In my mind i'm like i'm going to hell that's that's exactly what's going and as my journey progressed, it was like okay well i'm not going to hell I don't think it's that bad. But i'm not good right and then I progressed, you know further and further until I got to this place where I believe that like Jesus loves me truly for who I am and i'm fully accepted right and so you've got a guy like Paul that has all of this like spiritual like. You know unprogressive jewish theology that has been crammed down his throat his entire life and he's got to unpack it and so there i started to think like there's a possibility where there were times that he didn't get it right because he was leaning on something that he had been ingrained to believe his entire life but he was trying to get it right Mm -hmm. and i think that what is so interesting about this is that one of the reasons why i really shied away from doing this with you is because I wanted to have this notion of perfection about my life because I didn't mm-hmm. want to feel like a hypocrite, but it was holding me back from actually being able to like serve God in a new way. Because I didn't want to risk that mm-hmm. and Paul's a guy that like actually risks right he risks in an effort to try to get it right and he fails miserably sometimes. Uh huh. And he's human yeah right and so. I thought about my own life and it's like i believe i am a better person now and that i'm trying but there are messy pieces of my life that are still not right despite the fact that
1: i have -hmm. a relationship with jesus Mm -hmm. if you could like i mean because one of the things that you said when we were talking that i really loved uh, is that you said man i feel like i realize i've been judgy about paul as an author when i should have been judgy about the interpreters Yes. Right? Yeah. It's like we come to Paul through a lot of filters a lot of the time yeah. because of how like different things that Paul wrote have been like deployed yeah. against us, yeah. right? Where people do just pick the one verse and do something they want with it. Like, are there like if you could ask Paul questions, are there questions you would ask Paul? I would ask him a lot <laughs> of questions. Yeah. I mean, I think
2: what I would say is is like at what points of your journey were you saying things, what was happening? how do you take this and, you know, make it be congruent with this? Yeah. Like we were talking earlier, I'm like, you know, we give politicians a really hard time when they change their viewpoints. We say they're flip-flopping, they're washy. Like we don't actually give them permission to like say, oh, maybe I've evolved, mm-hmm. you know? Like maybe women's rights are important even though we thought they weren't. Like maybe it's okay that I revoke that gays shouldn't yeah. have been in the military because I was wrong. And I think that, like, I would just ask a lot of questions. And I would also ask, like, this is the thing about Paul. He wasn't, like, he wasn't doing it without consequence. Mm-hmm. And for when I look at my life, yes, there are consequences. I've experienced being cut off from a relationship, being not accepted in my family. But this guy got tortured, put on trial, and ultimately died for something that he was leaning into. Mm-hmm. And so, I would want a lot of questions around the context. I would want to know what his relationship with Timothy was like, because I interpret this as him being preachy at Timothy, but maybe Timothy came to him and said, I'm really struggling, and this was him giving him a pep talk. Like, I don't know, and so it's like, without that context, I can read it a lot Mm -hmm. differently, but maybe there was a struggle and there was a need.
1: Yeah okay i didn't even tell you this story but this just reminded me of the story yeah. i just had the most delightful moment this week um i went to this gathering of pastors where um it's often hard for me not to go in with a bit of a chip on my shoulder
0: um
1: because there are ways that i'm different than other pastors in the room um the female thing being you know the most like obvious a lot of the time uh, and then you know some theological perspectives and stuff so i went to this gathering doing lots of deep breathing and you know just really trying to like, yes, I feel like a fish out of water. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I get seated next to this pastor, who's a very nice man, but he and I way back when had a real, I mean, not way back when, a year or two ago maybe, had an awkward, <laughs> <laughs> had an awkward encounter where even though I'm generally a filtered person, he made some little sort of like micro aggressive that's how he took it. comments you know like they're just often ways that like female pastors are talked about and their little translations right things like a male pastor preaches and oh this woman taught or she spoke mm-hmm. things like that, and so I had a filter slip and in a midst of a group he he made one of those comments and I corrected him. And he got very flustered. Um, And I thought about apologizing because he was uncomfortable, and I decided it wasn't my job. Um, And so anyway, so I end up seated next to him, and, you know, we chit-chat or whatever. It's the end. I'm about to leave and go, and he, like, pats me, you know, Brenna. He's like, Brenna, I just, I don't know if you remember this. (laughs) But this happened a couple years ago, and ever since then, I've wondered if I should apologize to you because I got very flustered and defensive and, well, I've actually become an egalitarian since, which for those of you who don't know means like I affirm women in ministry. and, And we had this delightful conversation and it was like, it was, he evolved. Yeah. He actually, and he took the time to come back and talk to me about it. It was amazing. Yeah. It was a moment. It's rare yeah it is rare which is why we need to celebrate it here right like it can happen maybe it doesn't happen as much as we want but and he was like could we get coffee sometime i would love to get coffee yeah sometime like i don't know people get to get to get to change yeah well and to your point too about timothy like that's actually one of the parts that when i read this um I mean, I have some of the f- same first reactions as you, like, especially because the verse is like, you know all about my way of teaching, my way of life, my purpose, <laughs> faith, patience, right? And um, Dr. Will Gaffney, who is this amazing womanist uh, Old Testament scholar, she has this way of talking about how when we read Scripture, we get to read not only like what's right there on the surface, but we can read above and beyond and behind it. Like we can just ask questions of it, right? And so I read those words, you know, Timothy. And I think, okay, Paul is saying, you know all of this great stuff, right? But I'm going, if they are truly the friends that we see in scripture, that they are, if they are truly the, I mean, Even the mentoring relationship that they had, way back when that would have meant like they spent hours and hours and hours together. Paul's single, he's unmarried, He's as far as we know, he doesn't have any biological children, but Timothy is probably about as close as you can get to like a son. And now sort of like they have a little bit more of a kind of a pure relationship. And I'm like, no, Timothy knows it all, right? (laughs) Timothy has not only seen all the good stuff, Timothy has seen Paul lose his temper. And he has seen him when he's just tired and whiny about like the persecutions mm-hmm. that he's going through. And when he's, and when like he's just, he's seen it all. Yeah. That's the reality. And I think often when, as I was growing up, it was always kind of like what Timothy received from this relationship with Paul because it was considered very like Paul's up here and Timothy's down here. But I was just thinking, how awesome for Paul that he has someone in his life. Who knows it all, right? Who you want to hope could actually speak into Paul's life and be like, "Yeah," and do you remember that part too? Or just bring some truth, right? Like we, like that was thing. Even like thinking about your dad, right? And like that was so awkward growing up, where it's kind of presented this way, and here's my experience at home. It's so often I know, as we've talked, like our families are the ones who really invite us into true authenticity and yeah. humility a lot of times because we can't fake it yeah or your roommates or whoever there are people in your life you can't fake it with they know it you you are your authentic self because there's absolutely no way except right. pretend otherwise yeah yeah
2: well and i i think about you know one of the things i really struggled with was that like i'm very okay relating to in many ways the women of the bible but i shy away from finding the spaces in me that may be like Paul, because I don't like the guy anyways, right? Reminds me of my dad, hard stories. But the reality is, is that this gave me a gift of being able to have some grace, right? So we think about transforming and change, you know? I had that history with my dad. My dad Mm -hmm. got sick with cancer and he thought he was gonna die. And he called my sister and said he wanted to talk to me. And it was the first time we had talked in 10 years. Wow. He sobbed and he said that Jesus had come to him in a dream and said, I will treat you in the afterlife the way you treated her. You need to get it better. Wow! Right? So so like I'm in relationship with my dad. My dad tells my wife and my kids that he loves them. Right. And we got to go again. And also parenting is a crap show. (laughs) Like, you know, I did a lot of therapy before I had my kids, a lot of therapy. And I thought that I had gotten to a place where I felt stable enough to raise small humans. (laughs) And, you know, and but but also I did not get parenting like I should have. I believe my parents did the best that they could. But we come from a long line of traumatic stuff. And so it's like it's hard to show up. And so when I started to have my kids, I had these moments where I was like, Oh, my gosh, I'm gonna mess them up so bad. Um, And I realized that like all the pain and trauma from my childhood started to come as I saw them in their little precious ages, right? And I would have these days where I couldn't get out of bed because I would tell Annie I was not built for this. Mm -hmm. Nobody taught me how to do this right Mm -hmm. and um, and I would retreat because I was so scared right and um, Yesterday was a prime example. <laughs> I had a, a crazy week at work. I have this new job. It's all encompassing. It's easy for me to retreat in my work because I know I'm good at it. It's hard for me to engage with my kids sometimes because I don't feel good at it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started to spiral coping mechanisms. My coping mechanism was five hours of Bridgerton. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know I have a feeling some people have been there (laughs) (laughs) you know and I was just I was taking myself out because it was painful and my kids are my spiritual sandpaper Mm -hmm. they show me all the pieces of me that are still left untouched so my five-year-old comes in or not my 5 seven my (gasps) seven-year-old comes in he mostly behaves like he's five um, (laughs) and he's like mom you promised me that you would play with me in the front yard and I did not do that. So I was like, no, Holden, I did not promise you. You're putting words in my mouth and that is absolutely. And I was sticking there and I wasn't like, your kid is leaning in and telling you that he's searching for connection. And I care more about Queen Charlotte than I do about his ask. <laughs> and, and at first I just, Holden, I did not promise you that. Please go play with your brother, right? And then I'm you know, sitting there watching for a couple more minutes and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't need that much from you. He just needs you to show up, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I I remember those times where my dad sent me away or my mom sent me away and I felt horrible, but it's like, the reality is is I got to go again. So Mm -hmm. I got to go outside and I got to play with him. We connected for 30 minutes and I ended up feeling better because I pulled myself out. And I go back to this where it's like, I didn't want to engage because I was afraid because I was tired, irritable, and discontented that I was not going to engage with him right. And I do the same thing as with God sometimes, but like Paul, Paul was like, I could flip and get this so wrong, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm just going to try. Like, I'm just going to get up every single day, try to tell people about how much Jesus loves them, even though it costs me things. And it's like, in that way I go, yeah. I would like to be more
1: like you with my kids, with my wife, with my life. Yeah, I mean, Paul is bold yeah. that way right that there's this sense of putting himself out there in so many ways it reminds me a friend came and grabbed me maybe like a a month or two ago after church and said hey you're an enneagram one which just like me and for those of you don't know that means like (laughs) more like perfectionist right so what do you do when you just screw it all up like how do you i mean just mm, what do you do that when you know you've hurt someone you've just messed it up and I just had to think for a second i'm like oh, you know i i know what it feels like to be there yeah. right and like but it is like what i kind of said is it's like tapping into that that paul boldness or for me like it's one of the psalms psalm 51 if you go there i was invited once to do an exercise where i would paraphrase it and it's it's david's psalm of like confession after he hugely screwed up. You know, some people would say it's the adulterous, adultery, adulterous encounter he had with Bathsheba. Most of us at this point would say, you mean when you raped Bathsheba? But anyway. <laughs> um, so Psalm 51 is this prayer of confession. And my paraphrase went roughly, God, restore to me the joy of effing up. Right? Because I don't want to experience the joy yeah. of confession and repentance and restoration. because." The only way to get there is to have screwed up, and I never, ever, ever want to screw up. Yeah. And it's not really about other people. It's about my self-image. <laughs> it it's about my shame. I mean, as we were talking about it, right, when it comes to my kids, kind of like you, I mean, it's, it's shame triggers almost any time I get upset with my kids. Not always, if any of my children are still in the room. <laughs> but often, 80 to 90 percent of the time, if I kind of lose my sense of center, it's because it hit a shame trigger, and I don't want to be bad. I don't wanna be in that space that Paul lets himself get to of like, God just restored to me the joy of effing up because you're forgiven. Yeah. And these relationships, I love that phrase, spiritual sandpaper, <laughs> right? That we get to do that for each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it all just goes back to vulnerability, right? And my parents generation was like taught to like fake it till you make it right like we don't show others we don't let you in my spiritual community into what's going on truly in my house. You know, we don't do that for one another, because we're supposed to be aspiring to what you know Jesus, you know, look like. And i'm not even sure that they were really all that, to be honest, focused on what Jesus looked like, but like their own sense of self worth in Jesus right and so it's like. I think our journey comes with humanity, right? Like, I don't need to be perfect to show up. And showing up doesn't have to look like you and I being on this stage. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to look at going to board meetings. It could just look at like me reaching out to someone in my spiritual community that's having a hard time and having an authentic conversation like, <laughs> your marriage is hard, so's mine. Mm-hmm. Parenting is hard, so's mine, right? <laughs> Sometimes I use bad coping mechanisms to deal with my pain, me too you know Mm -hmm. and it's really getting to where we're on this journey together we're authentic we're vulnerable you know like my self-worth isn't contingent on me being perfect Mm -hmm. it's leaning into how Jesus would want me to show up and trying to do my best I and I also think that it's like I was always taught in church that if they said it it must be true about me which is not true right i treat my christian community like i treat feedback i do a lot of work at my job around how to give feedback right and i always tell people i take feedback as like a coat. somebody gives it to me i try it on and i see if it fits and if it doesn't fit i just put it off to the shelf like i don't have to take on everybody Mm -hmm. else's stuff but i also think that the beauty of feedback is that if i think about the circle of people that love me unconditionally and that know me the good the bad and the ugly those are people that are bold enough to say Rebecca I think you're getting it wrong (laughs) and we love you right like I had this um time it was year three with Annie and I was like I don't think I can do this and I'm talking to my best friend I'm like she's not that romantic she doesn't do this she doesn't do this and like literally my best friend shook me and said She's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You're getting in your own way. You need to knock it the F out. Like, I mean, it just get off of it. You're scared. I hear you. Perfection doesn't come, you know? And I needed someone to be like, interrupt that train of thought, you know? Yeah. And so I I think it's like with Paul, like he's willing to go again and again and again he gets put on trial he gets you know he gets treated badly they're after him ultimately he dies and he Mm -hmm. still is continuing to fight and show up fight and show up and i think that's how we break the cycle of spiritual trauma is that we don't disengage we Mm re-engage
1: and we all give each other permission to f it up yeah Yeah. right not without you know maybe healthy boundaries or feedback or whatever but. But we're saying in basically healthy relationships, we can we can screw it up and make space for each other yeah. in that right and say yeah you missed this time my time's coming. Right yeah like, and I you know I think of like I had so many
2: preconceived notions about Paul but i'm like what if Paul really struggled which we know he did what if he just woke up every day and he hung on by a thread to follow the Jesus that made something happen in his life? What if he was just this guy, this new, newly converted Christian who wanted, who loved Jesus so much he wanted to spread it, that he was willing to risk it all, knowing that it wasn't going to look perfect. Yeah. And when I think of him that way, it's a lot more palpable for me to read the verses.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was kind of interesting, right? There's like this progression where it's first hope you guys are hearing this right. There's like this sense of like, okay, I have to deal with Paul. And how do I let Paul be Paul? And then as I look and I like start to like, oh, maybe I don't know everything. Like maybe there's more to his story than I've ever heard. Then you start going like, ooh, like maybe that's true of other people in my life. Yeah. Right? Like thinking about back with your dad. Right? Um, And man, I so resonate with that one because there are so many people. There's this old C.S. Lewis quote, and I'm sorry, I try not to quote C.S. Lewis very much. (laughs) Um, But I thought it was a good one. It's something effective, like we can't judge people, like you don't judge them for where you see them right now. You need to know how far they've come, right? Mm-hmm. Like somehow that there's just this arbitrary, absolute like, no, everyone's on a journey. And it's like, you have to understand where they are now in context of their whole story, right? And like, I mean, with yeah, your dad. I
2: mean, it makes me think of like the iceberg, right? You see mm-hmm. the tip of the iceberg, you don't see everything else below. But I can tell you with my dad, what I can tell you about my dad is that he was one of 10. He was, my grandfather was 60 years older than my grandmother and died and she had 10 kids. She had no means of living. My father was basically raised on the streets. Mm -hmm. He was raped by one of his family members at five years old. Like it goes on and on and on, right? So like when you get all of that, you don't know how to show up and be perfect, right? And so it's like we have a beautifully imperfect relationship and as much trauma as I believe I got mm-hmm. I believe my parents did minimize the trauma compared to the trauma that they had generational right? improvement and so We have a therapy jar at my house. Every time I really mess it up, I put money in the therapy jar.
0: (laughs) Because (laughs) I know know
2: that they're going to end up in some therapist's office. I hope it's tigers, because she knows I mean well. They know I mean well, okay. And you know, but it's like, I get it. Like, I'm not going to get it all right. My commitment Mm -hmm. to my kids is that I will apologize. That's something I never got as a kid. I never got an apology. Yeah. You know, and that I will ask them to go again, you know, and you know it's like that's part of it, like Paul's up here, he's breaking generational cycles, he's yeah. doing things that his relatives and previous community have got to be
1: like, "Oh, yeah, my gosh, you know what I mean? yeah, you know, yeah, so we start seeing we have compassion for Paul, it leads us to compassion with others, and then we end up in that place of like maybe. We even get to have a little compassion for ourselves, Yes. like maybe we too can take some risks, maybe we too don't have to wait until we're perfect before we get to just show up with each other. And I mean, the truth is, is that we
2: don't get to judge everybody else if we don't show up like it's easy to judge from the background right Oh, look at how they're doing wrong look at what they're doing, but how do you put yourself out there.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm i often feel like the more i get feedback from people i feel like most of the time and i this could come out sounding like punitive and i don't mean it that way it's more like the genuinely hope you hear my heart like when i'm hearing a lot of feedback from people i think that's probably someone with like gifts in this area that they have never gotten to express right um because so it's like that sort of like frustrated giftedness is coming out as critique Right. And somehow giving them the opportunity to start to express those gifts like it's like, well, now you you get to put your energy into like a more productive, you know, and right. Like it's just. Well, and and feedback takes practice. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I used
2: to come at my wife with so much feedback (laughs) and it was like it wasn't that it wasn't right, but you can serve up truth on a on a sweet Platter where you're thinking about the other person on the other end receiving that, or you can just do like a blunt truth drive by and Mm -hmm. how that lands is different, right? Like, if I'm telling you something that I know is gonna Mm -hmm. hurt, like, how do I do that in a way that makes me show you that I'm only saying this because I'm reaching for you? I wanna be in relationship with you. I love you, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to just like, by the way, did you know? (laughs) You know, I mean, and I think that that's, you know, but. But we have to be gracious with people because people are scared to do that, and people don't know how to do that, and it takes a whole lot of practice yeah. I always tell people in my work like they call me they're like I don't know how to give a performance evaluation they're not doing so well and i'm like well you're going to probably miff it up the first time like it's awkward it's whatever but like. The more you lean into having difficult conversations, the less difficult they become
1: yeah talk about just for a minute like talk about showing up imperfect at work like how
2: does that. (laughs) all the time yeah no I mean we all do right yeah I think for me you know and I I lead a fairly large team and um I used to think that I had to show up for them perfectly Mm -hmm. and then I realized that my humanity actually makes them respect me more than the perfection right Mm -hmm. I had this situation recently um you know the workplace can be very political Mm -hmm. and I had a doctor that behaved badly Mm -hmm. she had a whole lot of clout so, one of my employees was dealing with this situation, was basically calling her out on the distribution of power and how she didn't know how to use that well. And I got nervous and I got scared and I called the doctor, and the doctor's like, I want you to fire your employee. I can't believe that this is happening. And instead of like leaning into that, I smoothed it over because she's got a lot of clout.
1: Mm-hmm. And my
2: employee went pretty hard with me on it. And I kind of brushed it off and I could, I could not sleep with it. Like I could not sleep with it. And so like, I had to go back to him and be like, you were trying to make a stand and I chickened out. Mm. And I'm so glad that you're on my team. And I also want you to know that I got it wrong and you got it right. And I did not support you the way I should have. Mm. And he was like, wow, you know, and we have that type of a relationship. He's he's great. But yeah. like, but like I had to go back and say that to him, like I couldn't leave that unresolved because I think of myself as someone that stands up for people. Mm-hmm. I try to fight back on like the classism that happens and stuff. Yeah. And because I had been newly promoted, mm-hmm. I was scared. I was scared of my stature
1: mm-hmm. and I didn't get it
2: right. And he got it right. You know, and then I had to go back and say, actually, he got it right.
1: Mm-hmm. And if
2: this means I'm in trouble, then I'm in trouble. But it's like, you know, those are, the, those are the things sometimes where we have to show up with our humanity so that people mm-hmm. can see it. And like, my, my employee was like, I respect yeah. the heck out of you, Rebecca. You make the right choices most of the time. And it means yeah. the world to me that I wasn't alone and you acknowledged, right. that like you did not fight for me.
1: One of the things we were talking about just this morning was even like, so often, right, we do that. And like, when we go to apologize to people, they already saw it. They saw what we were doing, right? And it's we're often the ones who are slow to like see it in ourselves, and to like. But there's something so healing about all getting on the same page, right? About like, okay, you saw that I was like protecting myself. You saw that I was playing the political game. Um, I see it, right? And and I I confess. And now we both know. It's not just you know, but now we both know. And this is just out there, and it actually brings us closer together. Well, and I think it helps us like grow together like
2: like I told my employee, I was like hey if you see me going down this same path because i'm a little scared right now right. Mm -hmm. I've never been in this high of a role and i'm worried about doing a good job that doesn't make an excuse, but I actually give you permission to like kick my foot under the table and be like show up right like show up you know, and and that creates a team relationship where it's like, it's not about hierarchy on my team. So my team mm-hmm. has a great time. I'm one of like the, the shining lights in my life, but they save me every single day for myself because they'll be like, oh, <laughs> Rebecca, did you think about this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. I did not think about that. Right. And so it's like, but as we do that as part of not just work but like our spiritual communities, it's like I might say, "Brenna, kick me under the table if I show up this way, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having a rough one and I'm not being, you know,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm salty today and I don't <laughs> want to show up bad, you know? Don't you think that's a lot of like what we want to try and do? Like in this, I mean, like think about yeah. our board meetings. Mm-hmm. There's a fair amount of kick me, raise the card, like, hey, I'm curious. You know, I felt my edge as I was saying that. Do I need to apologize to anyone, right? Like, just, let's just get it out
2: there. I think it's hard. I think the hardest thing for us as humans is to be willing to see the truth about ourselves, right? But the more we make it a nomenclature, the easier it becomes. Like, my kids and I have marble jars. And every time I do something that does not benefit the relationship, they snatch the marbles out and they, throw them to the side. And every time I do something positive, they're like, good marble day, mom. (laughs) And I I look at the marbles, you know, and I'm like, okay, like, where am I? Like, they're giving me feedback, right? Today I poured in, today we had to take a little out. Like, you know what I mean? But like, it's not even offensive anymore because they're just (laughs) like, mom, you need to earn some marbles. Like, you know, and it takes it away from me being like, mom, you're a bad mom. It's like, nope. You just didn't pour in today like you poured in yesterday, and I see it, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I do the same thing with them, you know. I've got mm-hmm. little seven and ten year old dictators sometimes, and I'm like, doesn't feel good, you know. <laughs> like I mean, you know, but it's a way for us to have a conversation without me mm-hmm. being like attacking their character, right, mm-hmm. or them attacking me. It's just, hey, how did we show up today? Let's take the temperature.
1: Let's figure it do? out. How right. How did we do? All right, last one. You have a favorite quote that you wanted to share. I do. So talk with us in and maybe in just to like what was your hope for people like coming out of this conversation today? Like when you yeah. think as a leader in this community, as just a human yeah. in this community, what were you hoping? So quote and hopes.
2: Yeah. Well, so my my favorite quote is uh, one by Theodore Roosevelt, but one that Brene Brown references in a lot of her books. And my hope for today was that people would, number one, see that like we're all human, including Paul, and included all the other complicated people, yeah. um, that we're all complex, um, and that you don't have to be perfect to show up. You just have to show up. And you can do it in tiny steps, right? Mm-hmm. When I was coming back to God, the only thing comfortable was me believing in the baby Jesus. The baby Jesus was non-threatening for me, and so that's where I started, right? Till I could get to this more complex God that I, that yeah. I believe in now, right? the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthier cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at its worst, if he fails, at least he fails while do- daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat." And when I read this, I think, what if Paul just died daring greatly?
1: Mm-hmm love it and the invitation is for us to join in yeah there with whatever you got whoever you are all right love it thank you friend thank you (laughs) can i give you a hug yeah